Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Hello, campers. Welcome to Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Now, come closer. No, closer still. Yeah, stay warm here by the fire. I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't you? I love stories. And do you know what makes the best kinds of stories? The ones that are true. And I only tell true stories. So listen up, because today I'm going to tell you a story about treasure. But not just regular treasure, like a gold coin or an old vase, but something really special. Something that is unique. And Lisa loves treasure. She also believes in the saying, finders keepers. The problem is that sometimes what you find isn't really lost. And sometimes what you find would be better left off alone. To rot. So sit back and relax and enjoy this true story I like to call Finders Keepers. Part 1. Dig. The ground is softer here. So soft that I can dig it up with just a hand shovel. Not that it matters. There are no treasures in my yard. None. Zero zilch nada. I've been searching for the past two weeks and I've found nothing. I push the tiny shovel into the dirt and turn it over. Nothing but more dirt. I move three feet to my left and try again. Dirt. Lisa! Lisa! I raise my gaze and spot my mother in the window above the kitchen sink. She's waving at me, motioning for me to come inside. Lisa, it's lunchtime. I stand and slap my hands together, watching as dust sprinkles to the ground at my feet. When I look up, I'm not staring at the four or five dozen holes that I made over the course of the past two weeks. I'm staring at the woods. Right on the edge sits a white stone that's about three feet high. It's sun bleached and the engravings are too smoothed over to read. That's where I want to dig. In my mind, a stone like that is used to mark just one thing, treasure. And that's why I dig. To find treasure. Lisa! I tear my eyes away from the stone and look back at my mom. She's still waving in the window, but this time she's holding something in her free hand. A sandwich. I can't see what's inside the sandwich, but that doesn't matter. It's pickles and cream cheese. My mom always makes my favorite. Digging by the white stone will have to wait. If I'm allowed, of course. The sandwich is indeed pickles and cream cheese, and it's delicious. Hungry from all my digging, I eat quickly and chase it with a glass of cold milk. 
When I'm done, I bring my plate to the counter and smile at my mom. Can I go explore again? Can I dig for treasure? My mom is about to answer when the phone rings. She picks up the receiver, says a few words, and hangs up. Well, can I? That was Mrs. Duncan. She's having a hard time getting out of bed. Mrs. Duncan is our neighbor. She got hit by a car a number of years back, and her legs don't work as well as they used to. The funny thing is, nobody really knows what happened to the woman who hit her. They found her car. It was completely abandoned by the side of the road. But they never found the driver. Some say that she died and someone buried her nearby. That Mrs. Duncan was actually at fault for the accident. Others say she just ran away. I don't think we'll ever know. I'm going to have to go give her a hand. You can go back to digging if you want, but please stay on the property. I don't want you going into the woods alone. But mom, there's no treasure in the yard. I've searched everywhere. My mom shakes her head. Don't make this difficult, Lisa. Promise me you'll stay on the property. I stamp my foot and give my mom the evil eye. Lisa? Fine. I'll stay on the property. Good. My mom gives me a kiss on the forehead, says goodbye, and then starts walking to Mrs. Duncan's place. I watch her go and then glance at the clock. It's exactly 12.57. I know from the many times that I brought milk over to Mrs. Duncan's that it takes 15 minutes to walk there. 15 minutes to walk there, 15 minutes to walk back, plus whatever time it takes my mom to help Mrs. Duncan go to the bathroom or do whatever she needs to do. 15 minutes plus 15 minutes is 30 minutes. I can dig by the white stone and find whatever treasure is buried in much less time than that. As I grab my shovel and walk towards the stone, I start to smile. I can even keep my promise. Making sure to keep my body on the very edge of our backyard, I can reach over and dig without ever leaving the property. And this is exactly what I do. Still smiling for being so clever, I push the shovel into the ground just in front of the stone. My smile fades. The ground is harder here, and I can only manage to turn over an inch or two at first. Grunting, I push harder and dig deeper. I'm disappointed to find only more dirt on my shovel. How can this be? There must be treasure buried here. I dig some more, but still uncover nothing. On my third try, a cold breeze suddenly hits me right in the face, forcing me to stop. I look up, confused, when I see that the leaves and branches on the trees in the forest are completely still, as is the air all around me. Nothing. That was... nothing. Lisa, you're just imagining things. Keep digging. When I look down again, I realize that there's something in the dirt. I pick up a handful of what looks like pieces of gum. I squeeze one, expecting it to yield between my fingers, and I'm surprised to find each one of the pieces incredibly hard. My next thought is that these are the pieces of white stone that have broken off but I can't find anywhere on the rock where they might have come from. Whatever they are, they are not 
treasure. I put them aside and resumed digging. It's on my fourth or fifth stab at the ground when I hear it. The clink of something metal. The smile returns to my face as I dig around the object. And then I see it. Treasure. I can't believe it. After all this digging, I finally found the treasure that I... Lisa? I turn around to see my mom standing in the yard, her arms crossed over her chest, a scowl on her face. Lisa, I told you to stay in the backyard. I look down at my body, which is still technically on the property. I am, Mom! Look! My mom is not pleased by this, and her frown deepens. What are you doing, anyway? She tries to see around me, to see the white stone in my treasure, but I quickly shift to block her view. Nothing. Just exploring. Well, come inside and get washed up. I don't want you going near the forest. It's dangerous. Before I can ask what could possibly be so dangerous about a forest, my mother is already making her way back to the house. Come get washed up! I grab the treasure from the dirt and, without looking at it, tuck it into my back pocket. Then I hurry after my mom, smiling the whole time. As I walk, a cold wind strikes the back of my neck and makes all the tiny hairs on my skin stand on end. A second later, a foul, wretched smell fills my nostrils. I gag and hurry to catch up. Coming, Mom! Part 2. Treasure As soon as my mom closes the bathroom door, I jump into the tub, making the bubbles turn brown from all the dirt that comes off me. Then I reach over the side and into the back pocket of my jeans. The treasure is heavy and dirty. I can't quite make out what it is, so I dunk it into the tub and rub the mud off it. Then I hold it up to the light. It's beautiful. The necklace is made of a gold chain that's about 10 inches long. But it's what's in the center that is even more impressive. A green emerald, or some other precious stone, the size of a golf ball. I rub my thumb across the smooth surface and it seems to come alive. There's a swirl of something inside, like a liquid or a cloud, that startles me. I drop the necklace into the water. It sinks quickly, and I immediately search the bubbles for my treasure. When I can't find it, I panic and begin splashing about. Is everything okay in there, Lisa? Fine, Mom. A huge sigh escapes my lips when my fingers finally strike something cold and hard. I wrap my palm around the necklace and pull it out of the water. The green stone in the center is now calm and dark. Maybe I didn't see the swirl. Or maybe it was just some of the bubbles washing over the gem. As I stare at the emeralds, I think I see a tiny glimmer inside it. I shake my head. You're being silly, Lisa. It's nothing. But even after I finish washing up, I can't help think that maybe it wasn't nothing. After my mom says goodnight, I lie in my bed and wait until I hear her footsteps reach her room. Only after her door closes, 
do I jump up and reach into the nightside table. My treasure is in there, and I grab it. As I watch, the green stone once again seems to swirl, this time in the moonlight coming in through my open window. It's beautiful and almost hypnotic. A cold blast of wind enters my room and I shiver. My eyes go to the window and I exhale a blast of frosty breath. It was so hot earlier that my mom was the one who suggested I open the window. So where is that coming from? Where is that cold air? A moan cuts off my train of thought. No, you're just imagining things, Lisa. That was just the wind. When I glance back at the stone, I see that, once again, it has changed. It's swirling violently now. There's no way that this is any sort of reflection or part of my imagination. The inside of the gem dances. It seems alive somehow. Another blast of cold air enters my room on the heels of a terrible moan. The air is frigid, but that's not the only reason why my entire body freezes. It's because of the voice. It sounds old, ancient, like a demon or a serpent or something equally hideous. My heart is racing and my mouth so dry that I can't swallow. It's mine. Finders keepers. I squeeze the green stone in my hand. Give me back my necklace. I'm not sure how, but I manage to swing my feet over the side of the bed. Then I stand, still clutching the necklace in one hand. I go to the window and look toward the forest. I can't see the white stone with the worn out writing. I know exactly where it is, but I can't see it, even with the moonlight shining down. Is it gone? Did someone take it? And then I see it, not because it magically reappears, but because the figure in front of it steps forward. It was difficult to make out any of its features other than the fact that it was completely naked. It was just so dark. Give me back my necklace. It's mine, please. I, I found it. The figure takes two more steps and my heart, which is racing in my chest, seems to stop beating completely. It's a woman, I can see that now but it doesn't look like any woman I've ever met before. Her skin is brown and wrinkled like old leather. She isn't bald, but the little hair she has is just gray, wispy tendrils that float in the cold breeze that seems to be coming from her. And her eyes. Her eyes are a swirling green, just like the stone in my hand. The creature takes two more steps its movements are jerky, disjointed. It's mine! I've been digging in the backyard for days now, weeks, and I haven't found anything 
more interesting than an earthworm or an earwig. This, I looked down at my swirling gemstone, this is my treasure. Finders keepers, that's the rule. The creature takes another three or four steps and my teeth start to chatter in the cold air. You stole my necklace. The wind gusts again, and this time it carries a foul stench on it. It smells like baby diapers and rotting meat. Necklace. The creature steps into the light as it speaks, and I see for the first time that it has no teeth in its mouth. It has lips, dry, cracked things, but not a single tooth. And a forked tongue. I could see a long forked tongue protruding from desiccated lips. I back away as the creature nears the window. I want to run. I've never wanted to run so badly in my life. But then my legs hit the bed and I fall onto my rear. I can't see the creature now, but I can hear it. I can hear her creaky bones and the hiss of her forked tongue. And then, when I finally see the fingers, filthy fingers without nails, grasp the windowsill, I scream. I scream like I've never screamed before. Part 3. Finders Keepers The necklace is suddenly so cold in my hand that I can no longer hold it. It slips from my grasp and clatters to the floor. Lisa, are you okay? The light in my room flicks on and I crane my neck toward the door. My mom is standing there in her nightgown. There is sleep in her eyes. I look back to the window and I'm surprised to see that the fingers are gone. I'm... I'm... I take a deep breath, sucking in some of the air. It's warm now and no longer smells bad. I'm fine, I think. My eyes remain locked on the windowsill. Did I just imagine everything? The wind, the smell, the... thing? I finally look away from the window and glance down at the necklace at my feet. It's still there. The gold is shiny, but the green gem is quiet. There's no swirl or movement inside it at all. Maybe I did just imagine everything. Must have been a bad dream. (sighs) Try to get back to sleep. It's late. Sleep? There's no chance I'll sleep tonight. Even when I blink, I see that horrible, toothless mouth open in a moan. Good night, sweetheart. With that, my mom turns out the light and closes the door. I want to tell her to stay, beg her to stay, but I'm once again frozen. Not because of the cold air, but because when my mom shuts off the light and the moonlight once again beams down on the windowsill, I see dirt smudges in the shape of fingers. It wasn't a dream. A second later, I hear the cold wind whistle And when I look down at the necklace, 
I see something inside the green gems start to swirl. Oh, please. My whole life I believed in finders keepers. It's only fair. I found hundreds of different treasures and never once have I put any of them back. But I know that this has to change now because what I have isn't normal treasure. This is someone's necklace and it doesn't belong to me. I reach down and pick it up. Give me back my necklace. There's no one outside my window, not yet anyway, but I know she's coming. Okay, okay, I'll give it back. Just leave me alone. I have no other choice because I know that that thing won't stop coming for me, not if I move a million miles away. Every night I keep the necklace and close my eyes. I'll hear that whisper on the wind. I'll feel that cold air, smell that foul odor. I'll see that toothless mouth. With the treasure in hand, I swing my legs out of the window and jump. The dirt is soft beneath my bare feet. Now I start to run. I run as fast as I can, trying my best not to trip in one of the many holes that I made in the backyard. When I reach the stone, I look around, beside me, behind me, in front of me, trying to spot the creature. I can't see her, but I can smell her, and it makes me gag. I look into the hole in front of the white stone and pause. It's much deeper than before. It's deep enough to fit an entire person. I'm about to drop my treasure in the hole when I see something deep down. It looks like a hand. A hand made of wrinkled skin and fingers lacking nails. I don't hesitate. I drop the necklace inside the hole and the fingers close quickly around it. Then I cover the hole in with dirt, shoveling it with both hands. When I'm almost done filling it, I come across those hard objects that I saw earlier. The ones I thought were gum, but now know are actually teeth. They're the creature's teeth. I pack the dirt in front of the stone tight, and then hurry to my window. Back in bed, my teeth still chatter, even though there is no cool wind anymore. I don't think I'll ever fall asleep again, but I'm so tired from digging that as soon as I close my eyes, sleep comes and grabs me. A sound awakens me from my slumber. I think it's someone or something saying the word necklace. But when I open my eyes, I realize it's just a bird on my windowsill. A blue jay chirping loudly, the sun beating down on its blue wings. The sight brings a smile to my face. And then I sit bolt upright, remembering last night's nightmare. A knock at my door draws my attention. I expect it to be opened by a woman with horrible hair, no teeth, cracked lips, and a forked tongue. Good morning, sleepyhead. You must have been tired. 
I stare at my mom's face and swallow hard. Yeah, yeah, I must have been. I'm... And then I see my mom's hands. They're filthy, caked with dirt. I can even see brown beneath her nails. Mom, why... Why are your hands dirty? My mom's smile grows. I was digging in the garden near the forest where you were yesterday, and guess what? You won't believe what I found. She laughs and brings her hand up to touch the necklace around her neck. A necklace with a bright green stone in the center. Beautiful, isn't it? You know the rule, honey. Finders keepers. Finders keepers. Campers, have you ever felt a cool breeze on a warm day? A wind that seems to come out of nowhere? One that carries with it a foul smell? I bet you have. And have you ever looked at a necklace and seen something dancing in the stone? Something that seems... Alive. Maybe it's just your imagination. Or maybe it's something else. Lisa found out the hard way. That finders keepers means that the treasure has to be lost in the first place. Not just tucked away for safekeeping. My question for you is do you know who the old woman is? The one from the grave in the woods? I'm not sure what her name is, but it could be the woman who hit Mrs. Duncan with the car. Maybe. Oh! My name? You want to know my name? Well, it's right there in the title. You just need to be paying attention. I'll see you next week, campers, with another true story. Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Story and audio editing by Patrick Logan. Vocals by Abby Logan. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. Campers, you can also email host at campfearpodcast.com and share your worst fear. You never know, one day you might be featured in your very own Camp Fear story. You can also visit our website, www.campfearpodcast.com, to get your own Camp Fear merchandise and to grab the Camp Fear books. Copyright Patrick Logan, 2021. All rights reserved. Finders keepers.